Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, join us Monday nights, ISU's campus. We'd love to see you there. So how many of y'all were at For the City? Hey, um, can we give a special shout out to all the mobilization team effort? Because, yeah. I mean, a lot of you probably don't even know that, but all of that stuff was done by you guys. You did everything for Saturday, and it was so cool. I had people coming up to me who have, like, don't even know Encounter very well that were like, hey, did you guys have a bunch of students doing stuff, like, at the zoo? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, we did. Or at, like, with my son did a bunch of basketball stuff, and they were talking about Encounter. I was like, yeah. So it's cool to have you guys doing stuff all over town. So props to all of you for organizing that and pulling it off. Uh, it was awesome. Hey, tonight, uh, actually, before I, before I get to where we're going tonight, I just want to give you an encouragement to, I'm really excited about the upcoming Monday nights that we have here. Uh, we're we're going to continue our mir- miraculous series where we talk about um, uh, miracles that Jesus performed all the way through until you guys are gone for Christmas break. Um, which isn't that too crazy far away, actually. But especially in two weeks, I'm really excited because a guy that uh, I know named Cedric Williams, Dr. Cedric Williams, who, who has taught for us a few times in the past, is coming back to do a Q&A with me again. Um, he's a psychologist. Uh, he's a follower of Jesus. We're, and, and we're just going to talk about a bunch of different stuff, uh, mental health and faith. And that's in two weeks, um, among other things that we'll be talking about that night. So please come. It's a good night to invite somebody. Um, I'm excited about what we'll be talking about. And there's other stuff we have um, in the queue for other Monday nights between now and Christmas, too, that I'm, I'm really excited about. So before I get into our miracle tonight, Danny already prayed us into this space, but I want to just give you a moment to be aware of yourself in this space. All right, to take a deep breath. So, I mean, we are going to pray, but before we get to that, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to take a moment just to be quiet. I want you to think about for just a moment the clutter you bring into this space with you. That stuff that you might have a hard time seeing past right now. Holy Spirit, those things that come to mind that probably aren't hard to come to mind, they were already right there. I pray that you'd help us just to set those aside for a little while tonight. Uh, God, we know that you are God over those things. I pray that that you'd help us to see and know that tonight. And that you'd allow us to be present in this space, ready to hear, ready to understand, ready to see what it is that you want to show us. And that's our simple prayer tonight, Lord. We give it to you in your name and sacrifice, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, tonight I'm going to preach a real short sermon. I promise. I promise that a lot, and then usually it's not true, but tonight it's true, okay? (laughs) Tonight, I'm not lying to you. Um, And bonus, one of the things that you get out of the message tonight, because a lot of times when I talk to people about they're confused, if they come to my office and they're like, hey, I have a question, um... About 50% of the time, it's like, I want to know what God's will is for the person that I should marry. Or I want to know what God's will is for, you know, I'm thinking about changing my major, and I really need to know if this is God's will. Bonus tonight, I'm going to tell you what God's will is for your life. You will have that when you walk out of this room. You excited about that? 
If you walked in confused, I've got that for you tonight. It might not be quite in the form that you were hoping for, okay, when you walked in the room. But genuinely, I've got that to give you tonight. Uh, Because we're going to start, even though this isn't the primary verse that we're going to be in tonight, there is a moment in Scripture where Paul, the Apostle Paul, tells us what, who God wants us to be, what he wants us to be. And he even phrases it with that language. He says, be joyful always, pray continuously, continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Look at this. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Take that in. I just told you God's will for your life. You can leave with that tonight. What is God's will for your life? To be joyful always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Those are the three things. You were designed for that. You were wired for that. You are not a healthy person without these three things in your life, Paul is telling us. This is God's will for us and who we are, to find joy, to pray continually, and to give thanks. Now, some of you have misread this verse. You've read it a little more like this. Be anxious always. Complain regularly. Give your opinion in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not. I relate. As I was typing that today, I was like, oh, that stings a little bit to actually put up on the screen, all right? Because I resonate with that. But that isn't the verse. What we are to be is this. We're to be joyful. We are to be prayerful. And we are to give thanks. I really could put the little pointer down and be done. It's those three things that Peter says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And this actually launches us into our text, which, like I said, I'm just going to be 10 or 12 minutes tonight. But in our miracle that we're going to be studying tonight is this beautifully simple moment with Jesus that happens on the way to Jerusalem. And here's our text. Comes out of Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers. So lepers often lived in a leper colony because they couldn't live with everyone else. They had a skin disease. People were worried they would get this skin disease. Even by Jewish law, they had to be separated. They were unclean. So he's met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So I need you to put yourself in this story. There's some beautiful speculation we can do in this story tonight. Okay, Jesus is walking along. They are respectfully because they're not supposed to get close to him, respectfully standing at a distance, but calling out to him and saying, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, that might sound weird to us, but in Jewish law, that's exactly what they were supposed to do. If you had an infectious skin disease or anything, you were supposed to go, go and show yourself to a priest. And he was the one who decided what needed to happen according to the law. So this is really typical. Jesus tells them to basically follow the Old Testament law. Do what you're supposed to do. Sorry, I keep interrupting the text. Here we go. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Interesting. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And if you've been around this semester, you know Samaritans and Jews didn't mix, all right? Huge racial tension between the two. So the only one who comes back was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Oh, such an interesting miracle. You guys, such an interesting miracle. Let me just draw a couple things out of this. First of all, again, let's enter into the story. Do you notice in here how they were healed? Well, well, technically, we're not really told. We're just told as they went. So Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. And somehow, as they went, that happened. You guys, what did that look like? What did that look like? These 10 guys knew each other. They, they were terminally ill together. So again, if you don't know anything about leprosy, um, you start to get flakes, patches on your skin. You basically lose control of your nerve endings. You don't feel things. And that's very problematic because your nerve endings keep you alive. If you get cut, you're like, ah, I'm cut. That hurts. I, I need to get, you get a splinter. You're like, ah, I have a splinter. I need to get that out. When you don't know that stuff and you just have a splinter that stays in your arm because you can't feel it, and then you can't feel the infection that happens around it, you eventually lose the arm. It's inevitable. And so as you begin to lose feeling in your fingers and your arms and your toes and your legs, you start losing your fingers and your arms and your toes and your legs because eventually infection starts taking them. So it's a slow, deadly disease that they have to go and live in a colony together. And they know each other, you guys. They know each other. They are terminally ill together in this colony. So what was that like? Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. So they do. They turn around, they start walking to the priest. And and again, we have no idea what this looks like. So I'm purely speculating, but something happened on the way there. What was that like? Because I don't picture it in my head like, boom, they're all just clean. And they're looking at each other like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I'm picturing it being like walking along and being like, hey, your neck looks different. Your arm looks different. And they start looking around and it's like, wait, I think things are, and they walk a little further and it's like, wait, I, I think this, and as they go, it just continues to get a little bit more until they're all, I mean, they had to be bawling on the ground, screaming at, I mean, like pointing at each other, laughing hysterically. We are going to get our lives back. Like he is healing us right now in real time. And at some point they're all healed. Can you imagine what that was like with them? The joy and emotion and all of the stuff that was going on in that space. And we don't know why they didn't return. I mean, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but all, can you imagine to be like, I got to go tell my wife. I got to go tell my mom. I mean, they all run off in different directions. And only one of them is like, I'm going to go back and say thank you. I'm going to go back to the one who healed us and say thanks for this. Super interesting, you guys, that Jesus healed in all kinds of different ways. Have you noticed that in this series so far? I wrote a few of them down. Some of the times he just uses his words. I mean, to the blind man, he says in Mark 10, you may go, your eyes are healed because of your faith. And right away, the man could see. That's Mark 10. So Jesus just says it. To the centurion that we looked at a few weeks ago, remember he says, the the, the people come and say, your daughter is dead. And Jesus says, "Uh, no, no, she won't be. Or sorry, that was Jairus. The centurion, she was very sick, and Jesus just says, no, she's healed, and she's healed. And the centurion recognizes that he doesn't even need to come to his house. All of those stories, it's just Jesus speaking it. He speaks it into being, and it, it is so. I mean, in this one, he tells them what to do, but later on, it sort of happens while they're on their way. You guys, there's others. Uh, last week, we had the woman who touches his garment, right? 
Uh, in Matthew 8, Peter's mother-in-law, she is on the brink of death, and Jesus heals her. It says that he takes her hand, and when he took her hand, she was healed in that moment. So we have Jesus touching people, and they're healed. We have, people, we have Jesus speaking the words, and people are healed. There's a moment um, in Mark 8. There's two different times, at least in Scripture, that we have Jesus using his spit to heal people. One of the times in Mark 8, he spits directly on a blind man's eyes. Okay? That's unexpected. If you're, if you're in the crowd, you're like, I did not, I did not see that one coming. Spits, spits directly on his eyes and rubs it in and heals the man in that moment. We have another moment in John 9 when he spits in the dirt, makes some clay, puts it on the man's eyes, and tells him to go wash himself. And in, I mean, like, it's almost like Jesus has a sense of theater, okay? In, in that he knows in each situation... A, that it needs to be different, and B, that each person needs a different thing. And I have my own speculation as to why it's different. I mean, I I think Jesus was trying to make it clear that it's not about the method. There's nothing magic in the mud. There's nothing magic in his spit. There's nothing magic in, in the path that they took. I mean, other lepers might be like, oh, they walked this specific path. We should walk that specific path to see if we can find healing on the path. Maybe it's the path. Maybe there's a supernatural energy. You guys, it's not the path, and it's not the mud. And when Jesus spoke the words, it wasn't the words. He wasn't giving us like some Harry Potter incantation that you could utter. And you're like, ooh, if I just knew the magic words that Jesus uttered, I could use those words too. It's not the words. It's the speaker. It's the author. It's the one in that moment who had the power to heal that they were looking at. That's all it was. And I wonder if Jesus had done it the same way every time, maybe we would have gotten so hung up on the method that we would have started worshiping the method instead of the one who was giving the words, instead of the one who was giving the miracle. Maybe that's the reason why. I don't know. But isn't it interesting, the method that Jesus uses here? Whatever it is, we need to focus on the author. I want you also to notice that only one of these comes back to say thank you. Why is that? Why is it? Why does only one come back to say thank you? Well, like I said, there's all kinds of reasons. I'm sure that they were excited out of their minds. There's all kinds of good reasons for them to be distracted in that moment and take off running. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? I'll tell you guys, it's also like 110 degrees in this room. Is it not just me? Okay, yeah, it's all right. You might see me sweat through my shirt in this sermon tonight, okay? I'm distracted. All right, let me get back to it. When it comes to the excitement, there is something in us, you guys, where miracles, A, fade, and miracles, for whatever reason, gratitude, which is just being thankful, Remember, we talked about being joyful, being thankful, being prayerful, excuse me, being joyful, being prayerful, and being thankful. Miracles, you would think that we would stay in this place of, wow, God, I asked you to move this mountain, and you moved it. You moved it. But you guys, story after story after story in Scripture, our human reaction tends to be, praise God, you moved that mountain. Oh, man, there's another mountain. I don't know how to get past that next mountain. What are we going to do about this mountain? And we completely forget the mountain that we just left behind us in the path. You guys, over and over and over again, the people of God do this in the Old Testament. Exodus. Look at the book of of Exodus. I wrote down 
Exodus 14, the people of God are rescued from Egypt, which is the greatest military superpower that there is in that day. So in that chapter, they escape from Egypt. They run into the Red Sea. The chariots are coming at them. So there's drowning death here and military death there. And they don't know what to do. And God opens the Red Sea. He opens it up. It says they walked across on dry land. Probably two million people walk across on dry land. They get across to the other side. The water comes crashing in, destroys Pharaoh's army, and the Hebrew people are truly rescued from 400 years of slavery. That's Exodus 14. You want to know what they do in Exodus 15? They sing praise songs to God. The whole chapter of Exodus 15 is just a praise to God. Do you want to know what they do in Exodus 16? If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. This is at most five weeks after they walk through the Red Sea. We are so prone to this. Don't get too judgy on them. Don't get too judgy on them. You're prone to this too. God does a miracle in your life and you are like, thank you, Lord. I praise you. I can't believe you did this for me. Oh, man, look at that mountain. (laughs) Look at that obstacle that's up ahead of me. I just don't know how we're going to get past this again. Well, let's jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You guys know that Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes. You're super familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. You might not know that he did it twice. He did it with, we call it the feeding of the 5,000, and there was the feeding of the 4,000. So there's this moment with the disciples in Matthew 16. It's just after the feeding of the 4,000. And they cross a lake from the miracle that Jesus just did of feeding 4,000 people with, I think it's seven loaves in that particular miracle. And you know what the disciples start complaining about? They forgot to bring bread. They're hungry. And Jesus in that chapter says, don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves, which just happened on the other side of the lake, by the way. And the large baskets of leftovers you picked up, you guys don't get too judgy. Don't get too judgy because this is you and me. But I want you to pay attention to three little words from Jesus in there. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember what I did for you? Our faith is not built on miracles, you guys, because miracles fade. We're too fickle. They just, they don't last in our memory. They're an emotional experience. I mean, God truly provides, but they fade for us. And if our faith depended on that, again, we would treat God like a vending machine. That is not who he is. But let me tell you, when we're talking about joy, a life of prayer, and gratitude, one of the tools that God has given us is to remember. Don't you remember what I did? I was gone at a conference for three days last week. And uh, sometimes I I don't really have a journal. I have a difficult time journaling. Um, But I I often will do something that resembles, it's like a second cousin to journaling. Okay, I like, as I'm reading through scripture and stuff, I'll write down ideas, uh, but it's not really in like journaling form. But I write down prayer requests of other people. So it's like just, it's just lists, lists of stuff in scripture, lists of stuff I'm praying for, uh, stuff I'm learning at conferences, that kind of stuff. I'm just like tracking all the time. It helps me to write it down, which is with the kind of learner that I am. And when I walked out the door, I accidentally grabbed one from like 2017 that I had filled. So I took this thing to the conference expecting to write in it. 
And when I opened it up, it was full from cover to cover. And so I just, in the boring parts of the conference, I just sat there and read it, okay? And I was blown away, you guys, by the number of things that I had prayed about that God had answered that I have completely and utterly forgotten. Completely forgotten that these even mattered. Stuff I'd prayed for for you, well, not you, because it was you five years ago, but the students who were sitting in these seats five years ago, the stuff I was praying in 2017 for them that I was like, that was answered, that was answered, that was answered. Not, not in the way that I thought it would be, but man, God, that was that answered. Wow, I'm still struggling with that one. Wow, that person's still walking this path. Man, God, you're faithful. Memory, remembering, remembering, remembering. Don't you remember what God has done for you? This is, should be a practice in our lives. It's part of joy. It's part of being thankful. It's part of a life of prayer. And it's part of what we have built tonight around The reason why I want to preach a shorter sermon tonight is because I want to give you a chance to practice this. Not just for us to talk about it, but for you to actually have some moments where you are able to put this into practice for you. To remember how God has been faithful. To remember the mountains that he has moved. To remember the spaces that he has walked with you in really dark paths. To remember the desperate prayers that you've prayed. We want you to be able to do that tonight. We want you to be able to respond in that tonight. As I sat down I, uh, today and, and Friday is when I was processing through some of these things, I was like, God, remind me of some of the miracles you've given me in my life. And again, I, I could go, there are a lot, you guys. I, I remember I was, my mom would say that my birth was a miracle. I was born really premature and she didn't think I would live. And my mom said, I, be, I really believe that I felt God's presence and that he would take care of you. It's like, huh, I don't remember. I don't remember that particular one, but she does. She believes that's a miracle in my life. I remember a moment when I was 17. I was driving in one particular place, and I believe God spared my life. I believe in a miraculous way. I was getting ready to pull out. In a, it was like an, I was in a country road getting ready to pull out, and I was turning right. I looked to my right. Nobody, like there was, a, there was a semi coming. Looked to my left, nobody coming, and started to pull out, Okay. And genuinely sensed, like, I don't know if, I can't really say it was a voice, but genuinely sensed that I should stop. And I didn't have a reason to stop. I just looked both ways. I was coasting through the, I mean, I, like, getting ready to merge onto this road. And, and I did, I, but it was a weird bad, because I was like, why am I stopping? And I stopped. And as I looked right again, it kind of freaked me out, because a 15-passenger van had just started to pass that semi when I looked away. Okay? And if I had pulled out in that moment, I would have hit him head on as he was at passing speed around that semi. And you guys, I didn't have a reason to stop. I had already looked that direction. And you might look at that and be like, man, I don't know, man, maybe something else is going on. Fine. You be, spectacle, you, you be skeptical. I, I truly believe God saved my life that day. A couple years later, I was working for my dad, who's a contractor. I was up on the second story of a building, wearing a tool belt, carrying a load of lumber across a ceiling, across some trusses, and I fell. And I don't remember what came after that because I woke up in a hospital. I fell 26 feet onto concrete with a load of lumber wearing a tool belt. And everybody who was there was like, we thought you were dead. (laughs) We genuinely thought you were dead. Um, They had like a fire truck had to extricate me from, uh, from that scene. And it's, and, and one of the fire, uh, one of the, the guys on the paramedic crew hurt his back trying to get me out of that thing. He had a longer recovery than I did in that. God was so gracious, you guys, in that for me. Why did he do that? I don't know. But as I started being like, where, where God, where have you worked miracles in my life? He started bringing things to mind. 
He started bringing just blessings in my life. You guys, I don't deserve to teach in this setting. What a grace that is in my life. Joe and I getting ready to celebrate 25 years of marriage. I don't, I don't deserve that grace in my life. Yeah, that's worth applauding. I got six kids that I love. I love their, their unique personalities that God has given them and the gifts that they have. I don't, I don't deserve that blessing in my life. The staff that I get to work with, the breath in my lungs today, it, it's difficult to take time and to mark that time off to do this work, to be joyful, to be prayerful, and to give thanks. I'm going to say that again. It is difficult and disciplined work to mark time off to do this, but your soul needs this. Your soul is fueled by this. I can't tell you that this will solve all anxiety for you, but I can tell you that this will create a different soil in your mind and your heart for God to work. And if we want to start that work, if we want to be like that one leper who came back to give thanks to God, and he was like, where are the other nine? If we want to be like that one who comes back to the source and gives thanks, we need to take Jesus's words to heart. Don't you remember? Start there tonight. Start there. Don't you remember how I've been close to you? Don't you remember what I've done for you? Don't you remember the miracles that have always come before? It helps build our faith for the miracles that are yet to come. And so we're going to have extend, an extended time of worship tonight. We have spaces in the front right here for you to write. Okay? And, the, and again, I want you to focus on gratitude tonight. What are you thankful for? What can you come back to the Lord as that one leper and say, Jesus, I'm thankful for this. We have communion stations on the side. We practice open communion here, and that means no matter your religious background, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to take communion with us. That represents the body and the blood of Christ. So during the worship, you know, again, if you don't want to take, don't take. But if that's something that would help you show gratitude, to be like, thank you, God, for the sacrifice that you've made for me, those are there. I also want to encourage you to do this. And this one's a little weirder. Okay. Um, there are people in the room that could use a thanks. Friends who've been there with you. People who've loved you well. Tell them thank you. Express your gratitude. Pray with them. Say, hey, can I just thank God for you in front of you? It's way less awkward than it sounds. Okay. And I want during worship for this place to be full of that. For us to be the one leper who comes back in front of the Lord and says, thank you, God. Thank you for the people you've put around me. Thank you for the way that you haven't left me. Thank you for the healing that you're doing in my life now. Thank you that you have power over those obstacles that I, I didn't think I could get past. If he's the God of miracles, then he's big enough to do that. And we can remember tonight. And in that remembrance, we can be joyful and prayerful and thankful. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to launch into a space of gratitude. Father, I believe that you're a God of healing still. That this wasn't just for an old time and an old place, but that you still are active and alive and working in this world. I believe there are people in this room who need healing. I believe there are people in this room who have been healed. I believe that you brought spiritual healing for all of us. I believe that we have stuff to celebrate and be grateful for tonight. So I pray, God, that as we are joyful, to hear our sounds of joy, 
as we are prayerful, as we seek you out in your voice, and as we're thankful that you'd be honored in this space tonight, Jesus. We carve out these borders and we give them to you. Pray you'd be honored in all of it. Amen. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.